Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Better Round. I'm your host, Paul Valley, and Ryan, my how you've grown in the last week. <laughs> no, that that's not Ryan Blake, as you can Dylan Atkinson. Uh, Dylan is kind enough to join us today while Ryan is out of town on a um uh something with his family with with his fiance's family came up something like that there's some kind of birthday or something like that he thought was next weekend it's this weekend dylan atkinson kind enough to join in today so dylan thank you for joining us how you been man uh, not too bad I, I appreciate you having me on man yeah no we're we're excited i'm happy to talk some orioles baseball with the orioles back into grapefruit league action today as the quest for another division title and hopefully their first world series in 41 years begins today want to remind you that spring training games are officially underway today and remember that you can bet every single game including baltimore boston today with superbook the orioles are favored on the money line in today's grapefruit league opener at minus 155 with the over under set at 10 runs both paying out at minus 110 and the red sox are the odds on favorite to cover the one and a half run sp spread at minus 150. when you sign up at superbook use the code pressbox 23 and you'll receive a same-day first bet match up to $250 win or lose. So, Dylan, if you're not signed up with Superbook, go in there, put in PressBox23, and you can get $250. That will, they'll match you up to $250 win or lose. You can't beat it, man. All right. I got to sign up today, then. That's yeah, it. you get get after it. And you got a couple hours after the show ends before the Orioles games. You can start placing your bets. Orioles 18-1 to 1 today. Just like no, – was it 18-1 was it to 1 or 14-1 to 1? Uh, the Dodgers in their in their first game against the Padres on Thursday. I want to say it was fourteen to one, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think it was fourteen to one. Dodgers got off and running. My God, they're they're just loaded. But eight runs in the first inning, six more runs in the sixth inning, is they just blew the Padres out of the water. They aren't going to win every game like that, but with that lineup, man, my God. I don't know. They, they they might be the first team to go 162 and now. Let's be honest here. <laughs> well, then uh, it just depends on whose season ends first. Because if the Orioles' last game ends before the Dodgers, they'll be the first team to go 162 and now. So <laughs> could happen twice. It's that ain't happening. <laughs> um, so Dylan, before we get into uh, previewing today's game, let's uh, do a little um, tidying up around here. Uh, Kyle Bradish has been throwing every other day since February 16th. Of course, we know that he has the UCL sprain. Anytime you hear UCL with a with a pitcher, you get nervous. I mean, we just had John Means miss basically two full seasons with Tommy after having Tommy John surgery. Uh, Felix Bautista is going to miss all of 2025 with Tommy John surgery. And now your best pitch from last year, Kyle Bradish finished fourth in the American League in Cy Young voting, has a UCL sprain. But he got the PRP injection, platelet-rich plasma injection, platelet-rich plasma injection, and those are known to work pretty well on anything of uh, grade one to grade three tears. So he says his arm is feeling good. He threw from seventy-five feet on Thursday. He's going to throw from ninety feet today. Bradish stated, "I feel good. No pain, no soreness when I'm throwing. Recovery has been good. So yeah, feeling pretty normal. Everything is positive." Manager Brendan Hyde added in on that and said, everything's going well, progressing nicely, and he's feeling good after he's playing catch. So, Dylan, that's pretty much – nice mug. Uh, that's pretty much as good a news as anybody could have hoped for. Are we feeling a little bit more confident today than we were this time last week about Bradish's return? 
I would say it's a little bit more confidence, but I want to be careful using that word because the, the more confidence we have, the more we have our tendencies to get our hopes up. You know, similarly with Dylan Tate last season, when all we thought was he was going to miss the, the first month of the season, then we never saw his face at all until this spring popped up. Mm-hmm. You know, so everything's kind of progressing with cautious optimism, which sometimes doesn't necessarily mean there is optimism, just you know, proceeding with caution, hoping for the best, expecting the worst. But it has been nothing but great reports so far. And from everything that's being reported is that the Orioles are proceeding with this with an expectation that Bradish is going to pitch on this team this year. Mm-hmm. And, and a substantial amount of baseball mm-hmm. this year, uh, right. which makes me think, you know, if he's on a throwing progression right now and it's the first game of spring training, we got, what, 28, 29 more games after this. Um you're about a month, about five weeks. Five. It was five weeks from opening day this past Thursday, right? So just under five weeks till opening day. So he's not – obviously, we know that he's starting the year on the IL. I don't know how these throwing programs go, Dylan, but I have to imagine that they're going to want to get him on a mound in the next two weeks, maybe three weeks, and just kind of start throwing bullpens. And then after that, hopefully we'll see him start to kind of ramp it up a little bit, maybe get an inning here or there uh, in extended spring training head down for a minor league rehab assignment. When do you think, and I know you're not a doctor, but when do you think is a realistic expectation to see Kyle Bradish back? Are we thinking beginning of May, mid-May, or later than that? I'm not a doctor, but I keep auditioning for roles on TV. It hasn't come to fruition yet, but I'm getting there. Nice. Um, but for Bradish, I mean, expectation-wise, if everything goes according to what we think the plan is, I would at least hope possibly – beginning to middle of June, possibly. Okay. You know, I think that, I think they're going to take this very seriously, mm-hmm. you know, with this being the UCL, even with the expectation that he's going to pitch a substantial amount this year, I think they want to play it safe as much as possible with this UCL and not push things. Bradish might want to push things a little bit because he's feeling great, but sometimes you got to protect the player from himself, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, they played things very slow with, uh, with DL Hall last year when he was having his issues. And, and basically just had him stay in Florida for as much as possible. So I think they're going to play this as, as easy as possible without pushing things. And I think if we see him at some time in the summer, I wouldn't be surprised. And hopefully that's a situation where he can come up to the big league rotation and stay. Yeah, I think that's the best that we can hope for. You know, you'd hope earlier than June, but I do think that you're correct in them uh, potentially slow playing it. And you look no further than John Means. John Means is is healthy. He's not hurt right now. Like that's the thing that we need to specify here is that he's a month behind in his throwing progression, but it's not because he's injured. It's because he had that little flare up after his final start last season, caused him to miss the postseason. And normally he would have started throwing progression probably beginning of January. He didn't start it till the end of January. And so he's a month behind, but he's also in a situation where his start can get skipped a few times because they have all the off days in April. So, what we're realistically looking for with John Means is maybe they don't have him the first three weeks of the season, but he's able to come back and the middle to end of April and get things going. And it just goes to show that they wanted to play things safe, slow play it with John Means. They'll probably do the same thing with, with Kyle Bradish. And hopefully the Orioles get their strongest rotation possible back when they get to the when they get to the point of the season where it's go time. It's really start starting to ramp up towards the playoffs, and you need to be playing your best baseball at that right time. So 
Uh, I'm excited to see how things are going. Like I said, great news on on Kyle Bradish for now. Cautiously optimistic, like you said. The more we get our hopes up, the more we're going to be heartbroken if it doesn't work out. So we'll try and temper our enthusiasm here. Right now, it looks like the replacements for Kyle Bradish and Tyler and uh, John Means are going to be Tyler Wells and Cole Irvin. And we remember what happened with Tyler Wells after the All-Star break last year, getting sent down after three starts. We gave up 11 runs in those three starts combined. Kind of some arm fatigue there. They sent him down, and he kind of took it not the way – he took it much better than um, a lot of people may have. He looked at it as an opportunity to really uh, – to get back on track, regain some momentum, and get back to the big league roster as a reliever and help this team make a playoff push. And that's exactly what he did. But what people forget is that Tyler Wells had a 318 ERA at the All-Star break last year. He led the American League in whip. I think he led the majors in whip at that point. And now he's got he's due to throw maybe 160, 170 innings this year if we're going to ramp up from what he did last year. So or so you're looking at Tyler Wells. This is a really good pitcher. Are the Orioles missing taking even a step back at all if he's going to be in that rotation instead of John Means at this point? I'm not sure they're going to take a step back. I mean, the, the one thing that that really hurt Wells at all last year, even in his great first half, was that he gets hurt by the long ball sometimes. You know, mm -hmm. he doesn't walk guys. He doesn't give up a lot of base hits. But but when he surrenders them, he surrenders them, mm -hmm. you know. But pitching at Camden Yards, that's how you're able to have a 318 ERA while surrendering those home runs. Right. And then we got a lot of right-handed bats in there. But it's uh, – I'm not sure they're taking a step back. I think there was a, even a decent amount of people in the Orioles social media sphere that were actually hoping for Tyler Wells to still make a rotation spot over either a John Means or a Dean Kramer this year. So in one essence, you know, people don't want to see other guys get hurt. But some people were hoping for Tyler Wells in the rotation even before the injuries popped up. Sure, yeah, it's um he, he was he was a formidable starter in 2022, albeit he was getting you know it was supposed to be three inning starts, but he was so damn pitch efficient in 2022 that they'd be like, all right, it's three innings, it's 75 pitches, and the next thing you know, he's at he's going into the sixth inning at like 63 pitches, you know, so he was incredibly pitch efficient in 2022 last year. They kind of took the training wheels off a little bit, let them go a little bit longer, and then the arm fatigue came up. It was more of a, we're going to let you pitch till you can't anymore, as essentially what happened last year, and he did really, really well. I think that this year, you know, he, he said that he stopped focusing on keeping his weight down, started focusing on durability, endurance, putting on a little bit more muscle, making sure that his body can withstand the rigors of a 162-game season. And so I have confidence that he can go out there and be the same pitcher he was last year before the all-star break and extend that into the second half. And then if he starts to slow down a little bit, you've got John Means, you've got Kyle Bradish. Um, but what you've also got right now is you need a fifth starter. And that fifth starter is looking like it's going to be Cole Irvin. Now, last year we know that the first three games, he just couldn't find a strike zone. I think he walked 12 in those first three games. I think it was like 12 walks in what, 14 innings or something like mm -hmm. that. And so then he gets he gets demoted after three starts, which was like the quickest hook I've ever seen in Orioles history, even when they were terrible. I mean, it was that that's a quick hook, three starts. I mean, they traded uh, one of their top six infield prospects in Daryl Harnais to get Cole Irvin and put him in their rotation because he's just a season removed from throwing 181 innings and pitching to a 398 ERA. So the guy can do it. 
Now he went after coming back after that, that those first three starts, he pitched with 320 ERA the rest of the season. He only walked eight guys the rest of the year. He seems to have really honed in on the control. The control was never an issue for him before he got to those three starts with the Orioles. You wonder how much of that was pressure being brought in to be a new rotation guy for the Orioles and uh, just being on a new team. What's your confidence level in Cole Irvin? And I have to assume that when either Means or Bradish comes back, he's the first one to leave the rotation unless he's pitching that well and somebody like Dean Kramer isn't pitching well. Yeah, I mean, as much as since the Bradish injury news popped up that I've been hammering down, go sign another starter, go get a Jordan Montgomery, go make another trade for a Luzardo or a Cease, I am a little bit intrigued to see what Cole Irving can do with this opportunity. Because even though he wasn't a flashy move when the Orioles traded for him, it was one that the expectation was clearly set. This is a veteran starter. He's going to eat innings for you. He's going to pound the strike zone. And what did he do in his three starts? Neither of those things. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that's it. While I was surprised at the quick hook last, last season, it kind of makes sense because he came into this with an expectation. He's going to pound the strike zone. He's going to eat innings. Even, even if he gives up four runs on the start, he's going to go, he's going to go six plus for you. And that wasn't happening. So if those two things weren't happening, Orioles knew something was clearly off here. So I think it, it turned out to be a good move for them to make a quick hook. It showed they were serious about the season by making that quick hook. Yeah. But I am curious to see what he can do with this opportunity now being thrown into the fifth rotation spot. See if he can get back to that pitcher that he was in Oakland but reports coming out of spring training have all been all been positive. They said he's slimming down on his weight. He slimmed down and he's added a new uh, breaking ball to, to his repertoire. So it's kind of intriguing to see if Cole Irvin can take advantage of this opportunity and get back to what the Orioles thought they traded for. Before yeah, it, it, it'll certainly be interesting to see if he can fill that role. Uh, I envisioned him before the injuries as kind of filling that, the role that Austin both was supposed to to fill last year where he gets a spot start. He's kind of their long man, their swing man. That if a starter goes short, he kind of gets them through a couple, two, three innings. So they can get to the back end of that bullpen. Um, now Cole Irvin's being thrust into this rotation. You know, I like the fact that he's a lefty. I like the fact that he throws strikes. He's not that hard of a thrower, but like you say, he's developed that new breaking ball. And even still, he could touch 94 with his fastball if he has to, you know? So this is, this is a guy who I'm excited to see get an opportunity just to see what he can do. And if he goes five, six innings, he's given up three to four runs with this offense. And I still think that they need a number four hitter. But I think that, you know, if Jackson Holiday is what, it, what we think he can be and Kerstad really steps up, uh, maybe they're, they're, they'll be fine with that. They were one of the top offenses in the American League last year. If Cole Irving can go three or can go five to six innings, giving up three to four runs, yeah, the ERA won't look great, but he's going to keep you in ball games, And that's really all you're asking your fifth starter to do, you know, is go out there, maybe win you a handful of games and keep your team in ball games, and hopefully the bullpen can take over. So I'm okay with him in that role. However, Dylan, do you think that the Orioles have been a little short-sighted in not going out to acquire another starting pitcher? Because one more injury, and you're kind of up shit's creek without a paddle. You know, I, I understand that you have Chase McDermott and Cade Povich, and you know, to a to a lesser extent, Seth Johnson uh, in your minor league system. I don't know that any of these guys are quite ready, especially not Seth Johnson, to take that step into a major league rotation at the beginning of a season where you're coming off 101 wins and you're trying to get, make a deeper run into the playoffs. 
I don't know that you can have confidence in those guys. Are they are the Orioles in a situation where they almost have to add another starter just to prepare for something? You don't want to anticipate an injury, but you don't want to be caught sitting on your hands if something happens, right? Right, right. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's necessarily been short-sighted or you know, it wouldn't surprise me if here in the next week or so we see someone else get added to the rotation and whether or added to the rotation mix, I should say, mm-hmm. whether it be a Michael Lorenzen or before he uh he signed elsewhere. Hyunjin Ryu, you know, it might mm-hmm. not be someone of the ilk of a Jordan Montgomery. And maybe that's a situation just to make sure that you know who you're taking out when guys like John Means or Cal Bradish are coming back. I'm not sure. Or mm-hmm. because of all the ownership change, maybe they can't dive into that pocket yet. I don't know. But, you know, the depth does look a little bit more scarce now. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Now, could they not be making a move because they are expecting John Means to come back in the second, third week of April and everything's just going to be fine, possibly. And maybe the hope is if it is a Cole Irvin that goes down or a Tyler Wells, the, your back end pieces there that maybe a guy like Chase McDermott or Cade Povich in that situation could come up in May or so forth and be on the cusp of being ready to break through on this rotation. They do have a depth piece with Bruce Zimmerman. He could fill in once in a while as, as a fifth starter, fill in starter, but not someone you want to depend on as a consistency in your rotation. So I think it's possible they add someone to just be in the back end mix here in spring. But if they don't, if something goes south, they're going to make a move whether where it needs to be, whether it's a Dylan Cease or, or so forth. They may just ride with what they've got going into the season. And then uh, if something happens, you know, they'll pull the trigger on a move where it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, and, and then you look at I mean, they might not need to use Cole Irvin in, in, in that first month again because, you know, they have the o- opening days on Thursday the 28th. They have that Friday off. Then they play the 30th, the 31st, the 1st, the 2nd, the 3rd. They have off on the 4th. They have off on the 8th. And then so that's what is that? That's four off days already in the month of April. And then they have off on the 18th. That's five and six on because they're off on the 25th. They, I mean, they have six off days the first month of the season. You know what I mean? You, you figure that, that you're not going to need a fifth starter maybe the entire first month of the season. Mm-hmm. So it's a situ, it could be a situation where Ir- Irvin might not even be in the rotation because if they're expecting John Means to come back it, it, you know, mid to late April, he might just slot in there. Now you've got Tyler Wells and – John means, and now you're looking at it, Dylan. Last year, I said, "How confident are we in the or if they don't add another starting pitcher?" But their starting rotation in 2024 is Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, John Means, Dean Kramer, and Tyler Wells. And I had confidence in that rotation. Now you're looking at that rotation, but and no offense to Kyle Bradish, I think he's a stud. Corbin Burns is Corbin Burns, right? So you're actually upgraded potentially by the time you get to mid to late April. Now, of course, it's not the upgrade that we thought because we thought we were getting Corbin Burns to go along with Kyle Bradish and have John Means be your number three, star- be your number four starter, and Dean Kramer your number five. But even still, last year's rotation to this year's rotation is starting to look a lot. Uh, this year's rotation is starting to look a lot better when you consider the fact that maybe John Means won't have to miss any starts because they'll just be able to skip the fifth starter at that point. So it's something worth keeping an eye on and taking into account because this team has a lot to play for. And let's not forget that seven of their first nine series are against teams that were sub 500 last year. 
So the Orioles, you know, last year they started the year uh, in March and April. They went 19 and nine, and they could do something very similar to 28 games. They could go 20 and eight in the first month. Now you don't want to prognosticate the uh, the first month of the season because anything can happen. It's Major League Baseball, but Dylan, you know, the 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 signs are there for the Orioles to hit the ground running in 2024. Oh, it absolutely is. Just like you said, with, with this first month on paper is supposed to be the easiest month of the season for the Orioles, as far as with their opponents and what their record was last season. Um, but it also, you know, there's downsides to it in the, in the side that this is where the Orioles are taking it easy with guys like John means and everything possibly because of the schedule. You know, um, so you can't take it lightly and you can't, uh, but you have to take advantage of the opportunity that you have because the schedule is going to get harder as the season goes along. So like you said, you want to hit the ground running with a 20 and eight start, you know, yeah. get out ahead of the curveball there and uh, hopefully be a little bit more smooth sailing from there. But if you, st- if you start behind the eight ball in that first month and it looks like an upward climb for, for the rest of the season with the, the toughness of the schedule. Yeah, you got to get got, like I said, got to hit the ground running. Uh, I think that the Orioles will. I think that they, they they've just got such an exciting young roster, and when Bradish and Means do get back into that rotation, it's going to be that much better for this team. I'm anticipating a big and exciting year for the Orioles. It gets started today with Grapefruit League action, and if you want to tune into the game today at one o'clock on Masson, and you're looking for something to snack on while you're doing it, right now at Royal Farms, you can get a three-piece tenders meal with Western fries, a biscuit, and a cookie for just ten dollars. Oh my, Dylan, that's what I'm doing. I'm getting me a three-piece meal with Western fries, a biscuit, and a cookie for ten bucks. You could go out and get a 10-piece dark meat rofo chicken meal for just $15 and any size Royal Farms coffee and a Royal Farms brand bakery item for just 3 bucks. Stop by your neighborhood Royal Farms today. Mine's literally across the street. I'm going to finish up some uh, some mortgage work um, when, after the show and head over to Royal Farms, get me that three-piece meal with the cookie and the, and the soda, and then get back here to watch the Orioles game. So, and again... Orioles, 1 o'clock today on Madison. <clears throat> Their first spring game of the year is going to be televised. The Orioles are airing seven uh, spring games this season as opposed to the four that we've seen the last few years. However, Dylan, the broadcasters are calling the games from Oriole Park at Camden Yards. So it might soon be T-Row Park at Camden Field or Goldman Sachs Arena Field with Brooks with Garth Brooks and uh, Billy Joel, I don't like. I don't know what the damn name of the stadium is going to be. Maybe, maybe that's why Billy Joel plays here so much. You're going to give him. The, they're going to name the stadium after him. Uh, Bill, Billy Joel Field at Camden Yards. I don't know. But, I, was pushing, um, I was pushing for Old Bay Park. All right, so Old Bay Park, Old Bay Park at Camden Yards. You don't even. You don't even have to change the OPACY abbreviation. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, I think you just did it. I think you. I think you got to get uh, Angelus or Rubenstein on the field on the phone right now. Rubenstein on the oh, phone right now. Old Bay Park. I can't. God, I love that. That's awesome. It's yeah, just, it's, it's perfect. It's the perfect name. With the with the broadcasters still calling games from Camden Yards, does it remind you that John Angelos is still running this team? I mean, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? It does. It does. It does give me some some remindings. You know, we're we're all getting so excited over over the sale and everything, and how things are trending in the right direction. And you know, just just on the side, you just feel a little poke in the hip, going, "I'm still here." 
<laughs> oh god. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it, it's almost like you got to take the good with the bad, right? I mean, I mean yeah. the bad is they're broadcasting it from Oriole Park. I'm sure the broadcasters aren't happy about it either. They want to be in Florida. Yeah, for know? sure. <laughs> they want to feel that warm air right now. But but the good part about it is that they've almost doubled what they're airing. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it's it's kind of a catch-22 there. You know, it's a little poking the side saying I'm still here. But at the same time, it, it's I'm a little bit grateful that we can watch the first game of spring because what was yeah. it last year? We didn't get to watch the first game, if I remember correctly. Oh my gosh! So well, last I think year, it was until like two or three weeks in, right? I think I think we were like two two and a half weeks into the spring schedule before, like they we got to watch. I think the last three games were like in the last ten days of spring training, if I remember correctly. Last year, it was all a lot. They were backloaded for sure. But and, go and ahead. We're, sorry, and and weren't they also all day games during the week too? Where yeah, majority of the population is at work at the moment. For sure, man. <laughs> like, tune in to the Orioles at one o'clock Monday afternoon. Uh, Monday? Like yeah. what? Like, can we get like a Thursday six o'clock game? Like where everybody's home? Can we get one of those or a Saturday yeah. at one? Like, I have to. I still work in the restaurant one day a week, and I have to work at four thirty. So today's game is perfect because it's at one o'clock. I can still get my my career work done. Do this show. And watch the Orioles before having to – like, I'm working all three jobs today. Like, Saturdays are, are tough for me. But I still get to watch the Orioles. So, I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm also excited because Corbin Burns is going to be on the bump for the Orioles today. Uh, probably going to go two innings, I'd imagine, unless the pitch count really gets up in the first inning. What are you looking for out of Corbin Burns in this first Grapefruit League start? I mean, the, there's – you hopefully want to see what you traded for in the first exhibition game. You know, I, I, I still remember it was a 2014 when the Orioles big signing outside of Nelson Cruz was the four year deal deal for Ubaldo Jimenez. Mm-hmm. And Ubaldo was the first guy on the bump in the first exhibition game. And everyone was so pumped just to, just to see the name on the back of the Jersey and an Orioles Jersey. So realistically Corbin Burns could go out there and get shelled in the first inning. And, and everyone's just going to say, Oh, he's just getting his feet wet. They're just, you know, it's first, first game exhibition game. Who cares? Everybody just loves seeing the name on the back of the Jersey. So uh, yeah. if he goes out there and gets shelled though, you're going to see some pitchforks and like, Oh great. We traded for, a, for the worst of him. Like last year was the worst season of his, career with that 339 era and this year's gonna be four and a half like somebody people some people are gonna be doom and gloom but those of us that that pay attention to baseball we know that the first handful of starts in spring training are getting your work in in the last two or three you're just like all right let's really ramp up for the season Mm -hmm. i don't i think that you're gonna see two winnings out of him today i'm excited to see this sweeper that he developed last year Start getting a lot of K's on that. Apparently, he's got this new curveball that just breaks at the back foot of a lefty in the box. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see that, too. I'm just excited to see Corbin Burns in an Orioles uniform because I don't know how long he's going to be here. If it's just this year, that I mean, that would suck. But it's nice to start the, the first spring game of his first and potentially only season in Baltimore is with him on the, on the mound. I'm excited for that. Oh, absolutely. And, and honestly, you know, the, there are some people who have harped like, oh, he's coming off the worst season of his career with, with the 3390 ERA or whatever it was. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, but we've all seen how adamant Cor- Corbin Burns has been, both with Milwaukee and the conversations after the trade happened about he can't wait to get the free agency and cash in. 
Mm-hmm. You think Corbin Burns isn't going to go out there this season and absolutely shove to get his, his oh, payday? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Fair, man. We, see, we, we, we see it with these key free agents all the time where they're going out there and putting their best season up yet in their, in their year right before free agency. Could it go downhill after they get their big contract? Yes. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But in cases like Corbin Burns, the expectation, not saying it's going to happen, but the expectation is he can't wait to get the free agency and catch mm-hmm. it. He's going to go out there and put up his best year of ball yet. And you you look at what he did the second half of last year when he got that sweeper developed and under control. It just I think he was striking out like twelve a game, uh, averaging or twelve per nine. That is to say, the ERA like two seventy four the second half of the year. Corbin Burns is here to absolutely dominate, and I I cannot wait for it. I can't wait for the Corbin Burns and um, Garrett Cole showdown. Like oh. I I cannot wait for that because I think that the Orioles lineup is better than the Yankees. Like the Yankees have two hitters that are better than any hitter in the Orioles lineup right. to this point. To this point, right? right? But I think the Orioles lineup top to bottom is just so much better than the Yankees that now you're going to look at Burns versus Garrett Cole. That's going to be a ma- like that's going to be a matchup where it's like, all right, I'm coming home from work early because I got to get I got to get ready for this yeah. game. Like I can't oh, yeah. wait for that. Hopefully the lineup looks a little bit different than what we're looking at today. And guys, I am not here to complain about the lineup in the first game of spring training. I just thought that there were going to be some guys in the lineup that we aren't that aren't in the lineup today. And we do know that this this Orioles lineup is so deep. This Orioles team is so deep that they're going to have the game today is going to have six or seven six or seven regulars. And then the lineup tomorrow is going to have six or seven guys who we anticipate could be regulars at some point this year. Um, if not at the beginning of this year, right? So that's those are the lines that we're looking at. And then, of course, you're going to have some guys who maybe they won't be here by the end of spring, or maybe they're fighting for a job. So, I mean, let's look at this lineup right now. You've got Cedric Mullins batting first uh, and playing center field. I had him batting ninth and playing mm-hmm. center field today. Um, you have Adley, but then I remember that Gunnar Henderson is not playing. I had Gunnar Henderson batting leadoff because I put this, this lineup together exhausted last night forgetting that Henderson is going to be going to be out the first few games. So Mullins leading off playing center field, Adley Rutschman batting second playing catcher. Um, Anthony Santander batting third at DH. Uh, Ryan O'Hearn batting fourth, cleaning things up at first base. Austin Hayes batting fifth in left field. Ramon Arias batting sixth and playing third base. Jackson Holiday, Jackson freaking Holiday batting seventh, playing second base. Jorge Mateo batting eighth and playing shortstop. And everybody's favorite Oriole, the 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 Porsche shit. There was it no the Ferrari sitting in the garage. <laughs> Ryan McKenna batting ninth, playing right field. I didn't make that up. He referred to himself as when when you have a Ferrari, you got to take it out of the garage. That's what he said about himself in 2022. I love it. <laughs> He's batting ninth, playing right. <laughs> I don't have an issue with anybody that's playing in the game today. I thought that because it's the first spring game, you've got Corbin Burns on the mound, the, the, the game's on television, that you were going to see, you know, Heston Kerstad and Jordan Westberg. And, you know, I knew Jackson Holiday was going to be in there. But, like, I, I thought that you were going to see maybe Colton Kalzer, you know, Ryan Mountcastle I thought was going to be in there batting cleanup. So the the lineup to me is different than what I expected. But, again, I'm not complaining about it. It's just I, it wasn't what I was expecting. Let's start with the big one. Jackson Holiday batting seventh, playing second base. 
He put on 10 pounds of muscle, which is noticeable over the offseason. If anybody read that article from the Baltimore Banner, which the both God, I, I wish they were a sponsor for us, man, because they do such great freaking work. Oh, yeah. um, the, the Baltimore Banner, um, they had this article. I believe it was um, Jake Rill may have written it. And um, or who's the other guy? There's two Jakes, right? Uh, oh, you're getting me. There's Jacob, I, there's Jacob Calvin Meyer and there's Jake Rill. Which one of them writes for the banner? I think it's Jacob Calvin, Calvin Meyer. Meyer. Calvin yes. Meyer, yeah. So Jake Rill is over at MLB.com. MLB.com. So it's Jacob Calvin Meyer for Baltimore Banner put this article together talking about how Holiday um, put on 10 pounds of muscle in the offseason. When the Orioles drafted him, he was benching 195 and squatting like 225. Now – He's like 560. No, I'm <laughs> no, he's he's benching 315. He's squatting like 445. He's deadlifting 500 pounds. He's got a 56 inch vertical, 56 inch vertical freaking leap. Like, I, I don't I don't know why you need a 56 inch vertical leap playing major league baseball except to snare some line drives that might go over your head at second base. But it gets us talking about it. Exactly. And <laughs> This guy is – is there any doubt that he's making this roster? Is there any doubt he's making this roster out of spring training? I, I I have to put a little bit of doubt in there. I have to just to shield myself for the situation where he doesn't. You Fair, know? Enough. I, I'm, I'm, Fair enough. And in no situation – like, I, you know, a few times a week, I'll go through on the, on the notepad on my phone and almost just kind of lay out what I think the opening day roster could be. You know, mm-hmm. I put in my locks – my likelies and all that kind of stuff. And I can't bring myself to put in Jackson holiday as a lock. And one reason being he's a non-roster invite. And second reason being, I just got to shield myself from the disappointment, Mm -hmm. you know? So Mm -hmm. I do think even as a non-roster invite, of course he's the, the, the number one prospect in all of baseball, but I do think it's his job to lose, but I do think he has a chance to lose it. Mm-hmm. If he comes out here and looks somehow just totally unmatched, you know, and and uh, overmatched, I'm sorry, and can't hit a breaking ball for for some reason. Now, I don't expect that to happen. I expect him to come in and 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 hold his own and possibly even tear the cover off the ball and be hot during spring training. But if there's any chance that he looks overmatched a little bit against mm-hmm. some of the major league pitchers he's going to face, yeah, there's a chance he might not make it. But as as of this very moment, I'm penciling him in as the opening day second baseman. I think that I think that you have to. Although Connor Norby, he has nothing left to prove at, at the minor league level, and his bat special, he can only play second base. Um, he, they've been playing him in the outfield a little bit too. I think it'll be interesting on the days that Austin Hayes doesn't play if we see Norby out there, because I think the, the Orioles might be looking for ways to keep him to, to get his bat on the roster. Uh, but you know what? Maybe I do need to take a step back saying about saying, is there any doubt that Jackson Holiday is going to be on the opening day roster? Because last year, this time, I was saying, is there any doubt Grayson Rodriguez is going to be the Orioles opening day rotation? And he didn't make it. He got <laughs> shelled every fourth inning in, in the Grapefruit League last year. So maybe I need to take a step back. I certainly wouldn't bet on Jackson Holiday uh, being in that opening day roster. If you want to bet on Jackson Holiday making the opening day roster, then you – Maybe a loved one might have a gambling problem. Uh, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services if you're betting on Jackson Holiday, whether or not he's going to make the roster out of spring training. 
Again, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. I'm just excited to see Holiday play uh, today. I'm also excited to see what we're going to get out of Cedric Mullins. He's batting leadoff for this team, playing center field. Last year, he was one of their best players before he went down with that injury. I believe it was on Memorial Day. Um, playing against Cleveland, they were getting shelled. It was like the seventh inning of like a 10 to one ball game. And he's trying to leg out an infield single and he comes up lame, missed three, four weeks, came back, started slow. And then the bat really started to pick up. He had that big game in Seattle where he robbed the, the what would have been, what would have ended up being the, the game winning home run because the next guy homer to tie the game, he robbed the home run that would have tied the game. And then he hits the game winning home run in the top half of the next inning. And then he gets hurt again. And we all know how last year ended. I think he ended the season like three for 43 and over 12 in the postseason. It was not a great look for Cedric Mullins. He looks to be healthy. The the locks are cut off. You know, he's going with the short hair again. Uh, He's a new dad. So he he, he joked about having that dad strength. Now we saw him just torpedoing some baseballs and batting practice. If If Cedric Mullins is healthy, do you think that he can regain that form that made him one of the best players in baseball in 2021? Let me use the term cautiously optimistic again. That's like where, the theme of this show. That should be the title of today's show. <laughs> where it's it's like, I don't think I can bring myself to ever expect Cedric Mullins to put up a 30 for 30 season again. Right. You know, I, I, I firmly believe that's behind him. If he does it again, that would be, outstanding you know but i more so think he's going to be more of that year after vibes you know the the 2022 version of cedric mullins you know going to bat around 260 hopefully have an obp in the 330 340 range and and hit around 20 balls out of the ballpark for you Mm -hmm. you know and possibly room for him to struggle a little bit against lefties like the only the only year he had some great success against both handedness of throwers was that 2021 season. You know, he -hmm. had a little bit more struggles in 22 and 23 where the way they're playing Jorge Mateo in center field. Now you almost wonder if Mullins continues to struggle against lefties. Does he, does he and Mateo almost go into a platoon in center field? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, I'm very curious to see how things play out. I'm curious to see if he can be back to a top of the order type bat again. At this very moment, even though he's batting there today, if you were to ask me to pencil in a starting lineup for opening day, I'm putting him in the bottom three of the order. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that I think Gunnar Henderson's probably leading off for you to start the year. Although I do think that Jackson Holiday will end up taking over that spot um, before too long this year, especially if he gets off to a hot start uh, in 2024. And I look at Cedric Mullins, and in 2021 when he was hitting everybody. He had like 279 against left-handed pitching. Hmm. That dropped down to the 230s in 2022. But last year, he got off to a great start against lefties again. He was hitting, I think he was hitting around that 279 mark again last year before he got hurt. It's up to him to prove that he can hit left-handed pitching. You know, uh, the the he switched from being a switch hitter to solely left-handed because he couldn't hit left-handed pitching as a right-handed batter uh, in his career. Switched over to the left side and immediately goes has that 30-30 season where he just torches left-handed hitters from the left side of the plate. And I look at this, and I think the platoon thing could be very realistic because we saw what Mateo did against lefties all year. We saw him go four for four in that playoff game at the Orioles. I mean, they lost all of the playoff games, but we saw that happen with him. Um, 
So that could be a realistic scenario, which brings me to the next guy, Ryan McKenna. We, we can't escape him. We cannot <laughs> escape him. You've got three bona fide, major, solid major league outfielders in Hayes, Santander, and Mullins, right? Then you have two first-round picks, one a number two overall pick, one a number five overall pick in Hessen Kirstad and Colton Kalser. There should be no room for Ryan McKenna on this Orioles roster, right? Now, look, he, he they didn't trade him. They agreed to a deal with him through arbitration. He's out of minor league options, so they can't that they can't expose him to waivers without somebody potentially claiming him. And he probably would get claimed because he's a solid fourth outfielder for a number of big league teams. Mm-hmm. I feel like that time has passed in Baltimore. I feel like that time had passed by about May of or June of 2023. And the reason that I, like I get it, you need a right-handed hitting outfielder who can potentially play all three spots, but you have that, right? Because Santander hits right-handed against left-handed pitching. Austin Hayes is right-handed. He can play all three outfield spots. And, well, Santander is going to need days off. Well, that's when you bring in Hessen Kerstad or Colton Kalser, right? There's no need for Ryan McKenna on this roster, yet I am completely convinced. If I, if I didn't have a gambling problem, I don't, but let's say I did have a gambling problem, I think I would still be forced to bet on the idea that Ryan McKenna is going to make this opening day roster because we can't escape him. And Brandon Hyde loves that man, absolutely loves that man. Dylan, will we ever see the end of the Ryan McKenna era? You know, un- unless an unforeseen injury or an unforeseen uh, guy happens where he just completely falls off and loses his spot this spring, I think we are seeing the end of the Ryan McKenna era. You know, like you said, he's out of options. And really, there's no room for him here, assuming everyone above him stays healthy. But mm-hmm. I think that's talking more about the depth that the Orioles have here and less about him as a player. Right. Because, because like you said, he is a solid fourth outfielder at the major league level who can play all three outfield spots, ha- has some speed, and has the ability at times to get a little hot streak going over a couple weeks span. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think he would absolutely not go unclaimed on waivers. Someone would absolutely pick him up, and the Orioles would hate to lose that because that Ryan McKenna would be awesome depth at the AAA level to be able to call up when you need him. So it is unfortunate that he's out of options, but they may not have a choice because of mm-hmm. him. You know, so unless an injury happens, I, I just can't see a situation where he's making this roster unless what they see in Mateo in spring training, if they're not liking what they see from him defensively in the outfield. You right. know, if, if Mateo's having problems tracking balls in left field and center field, and they're saying maybe we really can't play him in the outfield, maybe he really is strictly just an infielder, even though he has done it at the professional level before. If they don't trust Mateo in the outfield, that's the only situation that I could see McKenna making this roster. Sure. And I mean, and then it brings me to Ramona Rios, who is basically in the same boat as Ryan McKenna. You know, maybe Arias' bat's a little bit better than Jorge Mateo, but he doesn't have the speed and he doesn't have the defensive versatility. He can play third base and second base really well. Mm-hmm. He can't play the outfield. He doesn't really play shortstop. He doesn't have that speed, which makes it more realistic to have Jorge Mateo on this roster, especially if he can play the outfield with any kind of consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, Arias, the fact that he was here at the end of spring training last year, I like – 
Joey Ortiz getting hurt last year, in my mind, made it possible for Mateo and Arias to both be on this roster last year. Uh, I thought that Arias would be gone at some point. He remained. He agreed to a deal through arbitration, and he's still here. And I get it. He's got a good glove, but the bat, he just doesn't have – he has a little bit of pop, but he has far too many ground balls, hits mm-hmm. far too many balls w- with weak contact. And the defense definitely fell off at third base last year. I don't think he's made an error at second base in like three years. Right. But the defense definitely fell off at third base last year. Arias is batting sixth, playing third base today. His chances of making the roster, I just don't see it when you look at you know who's in the fold for this team at, uh, in 2024. Yeah, it's, it's honestly very tough to see. I mean, it really depends on how they want to construct the roster. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the way I see it is that you have three non lock spots mm-hmm. f- as far as position players go on the opening day roster. And you can either fill that with two infielders and an outfielder or one infielder and two outfielders. Mm-hmm. So I think it might come down if we say that Holiday's making this team, Mateo's making this team, and let's say Heston Kerstad is making this team. It, you know, this final roster spot may come down to. Ramon Arias versus Colton Kowser. Mm-hmm. And it's, do you want to carry an extra outfielder or an extra infielder? And a lot could hinge on what do they view Jorge Mateo as? Mm-hmm. And can he play both? If he can play both, both infield and outfield, they may not hold on to Colton Kowser because they may not have any room for playing time for him. Right. Well, they'll have Heston Kerstad as a fourth outfielder and then essentially Mateo as a fifth. Do you need a sixth in Kowser? You know? Whereas if the roster is constructed that way, Mateo is your only bench infielder for three potential spots in the infield with second base, third base, and shortstop. And if one player is going down there and he's playing in the outfield that day, how, how does everything shake out that way? So it might come down to strictly Colton Kowser versus Ramona Rios, and it's all just going to depend on how they want to construct that. And that's before we even get to Connor Norby. Yeah who hit 291 last year, what was it, 23 home runs, like 90 runs driven in. Uh, this guy has had back-to-back monster seasons at AAA for this for this team. He's got nothing left to prove. You're really going to send this guy down and say, oh, we want you to get a little bit more seasoning down at AAA. Like, what for? I was a second-round pick in 2020. Like, let's go. It's 2024. I've hit at every level. Let's go. I have to imagine, Dylan, that a trade's coming. I cannot yeah. imagine that they're gonna that, that that they're gonna be okay with keeping Norby at AAA. That's not fair to to the player. And they maybe they don't care about what's fair to the player. If we don't have the roster spot, we don't have the roster spot. But if you have that issue now, when are you not gonna have that issue? Because once Holiday is here, he's here. Once he's here for good, he's here for the next minimum six years. Same with Westberg. Same with with Henderson. Right. Connor Norby's going to be your utility player. Is Connor Norby going to get an opportunity? Are they going to get rid of Jordan Westbrook in favor of Connor Norby? Probably not because of the defensive versatility that Westbrook possesses. If Norby can't can't play left field at the big league level, he's going to get traded. He he's and maybe you see a, a package that has Arias McKenna and Norby in it and somebody else from maybe a big time reliever, or maybe another starting pitcher. I don't know, but. What are they going to do with Connor Norby if they're not trading him? I mean, I, I have to think that in all the trade conversations that Mike Elias has had over the offseason, 
I have to imagine that Connor Norby was a subject, a lot of those, whether it was brought up by the other team or brought up by Michael Elias himself. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it was up to, if it was up to Elias, he would have rather traded away a Connor Norby than a Joey Ortiz. And that's not to say that he dislikes Connor Norby, but you have a bet, an easier time seeing a Joey Ortiz making an opening day roster as a reserve player because of his, his great defense and defensive versatility can play all around the infield. Connor Norby is a second baseman who with the glove is, is average at best at second base. You mm -hmm. know, they're trying to experiment him in corner outfield spots. He's not going to play third base for you. So that's really what's hurting him the most is that how often do you see a bench spot reserve for someone who doesn't really have a, any any defensive versatility to speak of where it's it's, right. it's second base you can try experimenting in a, in a corner outfield spot but you don't want to experiment in the biggest left field in baseball you know right. Right. maybe you maybe you can hide them in right field at camden yards but you're also trying to keep that spot reserved for players like anthony santander and heston kerstad who you might not expect to be able to go handle the left field at camden yards you know, so yeah. I think what's hurting Norby the most is the players above him and the fact that bench spots don't really get reserved for guys who are just a second baseman. He has nothing left to prove, like you said, with the bat. He's been tearing up AAA at the plate. So I think they're either trying to work out a trade. Maybe it's trying to work out even just a smaller level trade of Ramona Rios to mm -hmm. open up the spot for a Connor Norby. But still, if you have him in a bench spot, his only avenue for playing is either in a second base or corner outfield. And really, even then, there's still guys above him. So will he even get playing time if he's at the big league level? I mean, you got a guy that I remember watching him play in college. And I just remember seeing him play in college and being like, is he hitting 417? Like, that's insane. He hit 392 in his college career with a, with a 1054 OPS. Um, then he, he gets to the minor league level. 283 with an 854 OPS. I mean, the last two seasons in the minor leagues, he's combined to hit 50 home runs, combined to drive in 170, 165 runs. Like, this is a guy who can handle the stick. He can get on base. He's got a little bit of speed. I mean, he's stolen 26 bases the last two years combined. You know, he hit 40 doubles last year. Yeah. 40 doubles. Like, this dude deserves a crack at the big league roster. And if it's not, if you can't give that to him, you got to trade him. And maybe you pick up something that's going to help your roster in another way. I just, I don't, unless he just flat out beats out Jackson Holiday, but even that's going to be short lived, right? That, that's not going to last because it's Jackson freaking Holiday. He's either got to learn to play the outfield or they've got to trade him. You can't just send him to AAA and be like, and, and realistically explain to him that he still has more to prove down there. He absolutely does not. He absolutely does not. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and anything that they would hope that he would improve on would be from the defensive side of the ball. But I think we're pretty much capped out there. Mm -hmm. It's kind of – we've seen now Connor Norby is who he is, and that's what it's going to be. You know, yep. he's, he's a, a player who's limited defensively, going to be going to be solid and average for you at second base. You know, you don't know what he can do for you elsewhere other than just slightly below average. But with the bat, nothing left to prove. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe there's a situation where they can – maybe they trade a Colton Kalser and they – you know, when Hessenkirchstadt's not DHing, 
Norby can DH or Norby can play a little bit of second base every now and again. You play a little bit of outfield every now and again. And that's where it gives you the versatility because now you can fit them into three different spots in your lineup instead of just the one or maybe two. You know, it's this stuff tends to work itself out. Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde are way more, you know, inclined to do their job than I am. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a cliche, but it's a great problem for this team to have that they have too many good players, you know, that they, they know what to do with something's going to, going to happen here because you're, you're not just going to leave it the way it is currently. I can't imagine anyway. I do want to remind you today's show is brought to you by goose flights. Press box urges you to drink a beer or two in honor of Tony Saragusa. We've partnered with Guilford Hall Brewery to release Goose Flights, a delicious lager, to honor Tony's legacy and how his family is continuing to celebrate him with the Goose Flights Foundation. The Goose Flights Foundation is now run by Tony's kids and provides provides non-emergency medical transport to those in need. You can go out and buy six packs and single cans of Goose Flights at Guilford Hall Brewery and Costas Inn. With single cans also available at Alonzo's in Roland Park and the Glory Days Grill locations in Maryland or... You can purchase six packs and cases also available at the Wine Source in Hampton. So raise a glass to Tony and support this great foundation. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash GooseFlights to learn all about it. Winding things down here on the bat around again, we are joined today by Dylan Atkinson. It has been such a fun show talking baseball with you, Dylan. And I want to go back to the pitching side of things because we talked a little bit about it earlier in the show. And... It's going to be Tyler Wells and Cole Irvin. If definitely one replacing Kyle Bradish, and definitely, and if Means has to be out a little bit longer than anticipated, the other replacing John Means. But the Orioles are weakening their bullpen by doing that. We already know that DL Hall got traded for Corbin Burns as in part of that as part of that package, so he's gone. Mm-hmm. Tyler Wells was potentially going to be a big time reliever for you this year. He's in the rotation. Cole Irvin was going to fill that awesome both role. He's in the rotation. Can the Orioles avoid that by giving rotation spots to Chase McDermott or Kate Povich? How realistic? I mean, uh, Chase McDermott is their reigning minor league pitcher of the year. He went from double A to triple A and just got better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that both these guys have an opportunity to make their major league debuts this season. Kate Povich reminds me a lot of Kyle Bradish, where that stuff is there, but they've just got to really refine it. And you could see him take a big step at the big league level and become just a dominant pitcher uh, for the the Orioles. But is that time sooner rather than later now because of what the Orioles are looking at with the injuries in their rotation, or is it still this summer at the earliest? I mean, I I really can't see a situation where they're making the ball club out of it out of spring training. And, and I do think we're going to see them this summer, both of them. You know, I, I do think uh, it is a little fun that we're talking about two pitchers who came over in trades that the entire fan base was pissed off from. Yeah, the, right. the Jorge Lopez trade and the Trey Mancini trade, mm-hmm. you know, and it turns out that these are now the two top pitching prospects in the world system. By, by the way, I thought that the Orioles, the haul that they got in those trades, I thought it was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I had I had no issues with that, but I understand why a lot of people were upset. Uh, oh yeah, everybody had the emotional attachment, and and it was also the fact that 2022 the Orioles had a winning record, mm-hmm. and it was why are we trading away, you know, players from the major league roster for prospects when you know Orioles are trying to make a playoff push. Your all star closer and you're like you're, right, your all star <laughs> closer 
and the heart and soul of your team. And you right, trade them both. Right. So I understand from that standpoint, but the return they got, I, I don't think you can second guess it. Oh, oh, absolutely. And and I, I was very surprised by the return for Trey Mancini mm-hmm. the most because I, I remember I, I said it months before where the talk was, will they trade Mancini? And I truly thought they wouldn't trade Mancini just because I felt like the value that he had to the Orioles and Baltimore was so much greater than what another team would be willing to trade yep. for him. Yep. Because he had that emotional attachment, big in the community and everything. And, you know, Orioles been through a lot with Trey Mancini. So I didn't think a trade would happen just because Orioles would value him here. And every other team just sees the numbers and goes, oh, we'll trade you this for him. But they were able to get around here for that. You yeah. Know? But I mean, they got, what was it, McDermott and Seth Johnson. Yes. For him. Yeah. Well, like, that's crazy value for Trey Mancini. Oh, yeah. But I do expect to see McDermott and Povich at some point this season whether it's coming up to make a spot start or coming up to even fill back into the rotation if someone else goes down, or it might be to help out in the bullpen, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I think if you put McDermott for the rest of the season in the bullpen, I think his his stuff would be amazing in a one to two inning kind of bridge mm-hmm. role there um, just for the time being until they work him in as a starter. But I don't think he's going to make the rotation out of spring training. I think they're going to roll with Wells and Irvin unless an injury happens. But even if an injury happens, it wouldn't surprise me if they give a part-time fifth spot to a Bruce Zimmerman instead and and let these guys groom a little bit more in AAA before coming up. Absolutely. And, you know, then you talk a little bit about Seth Johnson who came over and like he was one of the top rated pitching prospects for the Rays before he had Tommy John surgery. He has pitched all of 27 innings above AAA. I mean, above high A. uh, And all those innings came last year. We keep hearing about how he could debut this summer, but how realistic is that? I know the guy's got great stuff. I've never seen him pitch personally, but I can't yeah. imagine a guy who. But then again, it's Tyler Wells had never pitched above Double A, and it had been it had been what since 2018. And next thing you know, he's closing games for the Orioles in 2020 as a Rule Five pick. So stranger things have happened. Right. Um, but Seth Johnson, have you seen him pitch? I've never seen the stuff. I don't know what he's got. Um, but they they rave about him in this organization. Yeah, there's there, I I too have not seen him pitch. All I can go off is is, is what I read, you mm-hmm. know. And and just like you, I'm just as surprised to see that there's a possibility he could pitch for the Orioles this season. But like you said, and I was going to bring it up as well, Tyler Wells, crazier things have happened. Although yeah. Wells' case was a little bit different, the Orioles were not a winning ball club. And he was a rule five pick. He had to stay on the roster or they had to lose him. You know, so he was kind of forced in that situation and it's turned out great for Wells and the Orioles, you know? So I think more than anything, Johnson's going to get his work in, 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 in Norfolk. And I, I can't see him coming up and filling a void in the rotation at any point, really. I think if anything, if they need some help, some innings out of the bullpen, he could help out in that regard if he's really lightened up in Norfolk. But, you know, I, I think more than anything, it's kind of maybe an August timeline we might might be able to see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas for guys like McDermott and Povich, I think we we have a chance to see them as early as May if if, if the Orioles need, need a spot filled. Yeah, and, but I, I think more than anything, if the Orioles end up having to find another person for their rotation, it'll be in free agency or, or through a trade because there's still some guys out there. I can't believe – the guys that are still out there are still out there. Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, um, Michael Lorenzen. I, I cannot believe that yeah. they're there. 
So, guys, I want to remind you, today's show has been brought to you by the PressBox print issue. The latest edition of PressBox is available now and celebrates the promise of spring for the Baltimore Orioles. The cover image features Anthony Santander, Cedric Mullins, Gunnar Henderson, and Adley Rutschman. And Todd Karpovich's story dives into the team's hopes to take the next step this season and compete for a World Series. Pick up the new print issue of PressBox for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations throughout town where you find PressBox, or read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Dylan, thank you so much for joining the show. It was so much fun. Excellent job today. We'll hope to have you on again soon. Uh, and I know you and Ryan are really good friends, so maybe we'll have, have you on with, with him as well uh, during the season at some point because this was awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, oh, I appreciate it so much, Paul. You know what? It, I thought about putting my name in at, at the bottom as Ryan Blake just to throw some people off, but but it's a good thing I put my own name. If you're going to have me on with him, then we can't fool anybody. Yeah. All right? people, like the, Spider, <laughs> the Spider-Man meme, right, where they said pointing at each other. Oh, man. You guys should just both come on wearing Spider-Man outfits. I think that would be hysterical. Let's do it. Yeah, let, 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 for sure, let's do it. Uh, thank you to all of our sponsors. Without you, we don't have a show. Thank you to all of our loyal fans, viewers, listeners. Uh, without you, we certainly do not have a show. So thank you for tuning in every single week. Dylan, thank you again. Until next week, see ya.